Welcome to the Child Free Wealth Podcast, hosted by Bree and Dr. J, Certified Financial Planner. Here we discuss life and finances as it relates to being child free. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your advisor before implementing any ideas heard on this podcast. All right, Dr. Day, today we're going to talk about dealing with money guilt. This is something we've seen a lot with people who have done all of the quote unquote right things over the years. They've gotten out of debt, they've saved an emergency fund, they've invested, and now they have money and they can do things, but they really struggle to get out of that constant work ethic and actually enjoy what they've built for themselves. Can you talk more about like how we work on overcoming that and some of the things we do with clients to help them feel more okay? Well, let's start talking about our stories first. I mean, I'll freely admit that I have money guilt. I mean, I grew up with very little. Uh, I, I always say we grew up broke. You have money for a week and then we go on the next week, you know, the feast of famine. And, and that's just kind of the way it is. And the hard part is once you have money, it's almost like you have to, I don't know, like change your, your way of thinking, but change who you are from somebody being broke to somebody who has money. I talk about this as the getting out of the rent and ramen phase. So the rent and ramen phase is you got just enough money to pay your bills and, and pay for food. We've all been there. The problem is people often get stuck there. Like they always feel like, hey, I'm not going to have enough money to pay the, to keep the roof over my head or whatever. And I get stuck there myself. And there are times where I'm like, oh, this happened. And oh, no, the whole world's going to come to an end. And then I just like swipe my card for my emergency fund and it's all fixed. And like, it's no big deal. And I think that's hard. I mean, do you struggle with that, Bray? Absolutely. I've openly said before what a scholarships didn't cover in college my parents paid for. And I, you know, I started school or I started life out with zero debt. I've never had a car loan. I've never had student loans. The only sort of debt that I had was I felt really bad that my parents were paying for everything. And so I went to Best Buy and I got a Best Buy credit card for 0%. And I then went and got a laptop and I paid it off every month. And then Later, when I told my dad about it, he was like, you didn't need to do that. We would have paid for it. Going from that to then investing and saving money and being able to quit my job and have my own business and transition into finance and make those career changes, a lot of opportunities, but I still really struggle when it comes to being able to do things. Great example, my wife wants to go to Panda Express, which sounds so silly, but I was like, no, we're not going out to eat. And we got this buy one, get one free thing in the mail because one just opened in our town. I was like, okay, we can go out now because we don't have to pay full price for it, which is ridiculous. Like we have the money we could afford to pay to go out because we don't really go out or do those things. But I feel like I can't actually enjoy where we're at or take time to do fun things ever. So here's the fun part of that one. You and I came at the from two completely different worlds financially. My parents weren't helpful with anything. Let's just be honest. They couldn't. And your parents did. But yeah, we get to the same solution that we can't enjoy or spend our money. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, my grandma has Dave Ramsey's book in her house on the bookshelf in the kitchen. And I have a lot of family who is like, it's, you pay cash for everything. And that is the only way. And if you don't have the cash for it, well, you just shouldn't have it. And so... I internalize a lot of those thoughts and whether or not I agree with those things, there are things I don't agree with from that. But there are, you know, some things that I still are part of me. And 
has caused me a lot of guilt when it comes to money and struggling to accept that I'm in a good spot. It also, it feels like I shouldn't be worthy of these things or like shouldn't have them because not everybody got these opportunities. I started on third base, just even like between when I got married, then my wife had student loans and a car loan. We've been working pills off, but it it doesn't feel like I can do those things because like I started on third base, you didn't. You started in the dugout still. I feel guilty for the privilege that I've been given. And by the way, we also acknowledge our privilege. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm a white male, so there's certain privilege come with that. And I actually worked with uh, inner city youth for quite a while and was used to call them welfare to work programs, teaching them becoming MTs and work with these people that are have real barriers to learning and money. They are barely make ends meet. And we would have these conversations about money and life and expectations. And the hard part for them was picturing that you could actually have something different. And I'm with them. We grew up in two completely different worlds. I grew up in, you know, more of a suburban area struggling. They grew up in a city struggling. Different cultures, different structures, both struggling. And what I found is that there are actually some people that self-sabotage once they start seeing success because the struggle is everything they've always known and it pulls them back. Growing up broke, there's always a drama and an emergency or some other problem that comes up. And it feels like you never get ahead. And when you do get ahead, it's like, when's the other shoe going to drop? And by the way, I got enough money now that it'd have to be a damn big shoe before it caused me a problem. But I'm still living that way. And I, I don't know. I think the hard part is people say, well, if I earn $100,000 or if I have a million dollars or if I have, that'll change it. And it doesn't. It's not a magic number. But everybody's like, if I do this, then, it'll, then that guilt will go away. I don't know. I don't see it. What do you think, Bray? I agree with that. Like, I don't think that guilt just goes away once you get to a certain point. It is much deeper than that and much more embedded in you. And learning how to get out of that guilt is a struggle. And so even doing small things can be difficult because it feels like a really big thing. Like, no, you shouldn't be spending money on that. You should be saving it for this reason or this reason and it takes a long time i can only speak from like my background was you just save a lot to do a lot and there was a very big belief that that my household was like you help your kids you get them started even some of the most of the stuff in my house i did not buy my parents bought it because that was their belief and it was like well i have this but i feel like i need to repay them for it now and i can't do the things i want even though you know, I've tried to pay them for certain things and they're like, no, there is zero expectation of that. It's almost like a backwards, like you want to repay for what they gave you. And even when they don't want or need it, it just, it feels, it's hard. It's hard to deal with it. And it, then it also compounding on that is like, well, you shouldn't be feeling guilty about that because you had it so well off. Like think about people who didn't. And then, so there's the guilt of, yes, I had it well off. The people telling you, you had it well off. So you shouldn't feel guilty about it and the guilt of like feeling responsibility to repay the people who helped you. Well, and I'll give you an example. Yep. Our firm's name is Child Free Wealth and having just the name wealth in there sets people off. You know, and the reality check is being child free does not make you rich automatically. Like there's no like magic checks that come flying in 
when you become child free. I recently I did something in the press, I forget what it was, and I shared it on Facebook. And it was talking about, you know, what is it like to live a life of child free wealth is the other. And the way we say it is you have time, money, and freedom to do what you enjoy. Doesn't say you have a lot of money. More than you would if you're a parent. And be like, well, you know, that's not true if you're disabled and this is going on and this is going I'm like, you're right. It does not fix everything. But that at the same time, I start kind of getting, wow, guilt or whatever you want to call it, of like, hey, I want to help them too, but I can only help so many people. And I got to pay the bills too. By the way, that's why we do the blog and the podcasts are all free. Like people can learn, you know, they don't have to pay us. But then it's like, well, should I feel bad about having money because other people don't? I, I mean, I, I think as a society, we, we need to do work on income disparity. We've got a big issue with housing, big issue with food insecurity. We've got big systematic issues. Does that mean that I can't enjoy my money? I don't know. You know, and, and people start putting in their, their own values around money and saying, well, if they're struggling, I have to struggle. So they talk about the middle class work ethic or the Protestant work ethic or whatever you want to call it, puritanical work ethic, that you just got to, you put your nose to the grindstone and you just got to always work, you got to work hard. I go to people, I go, yeah, you've done that. Now you got money. Now what do you want to do with your life? So they're like, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't working. I'm like, well, what would you enjoy? Maybe you give back to people. Maybe you volunteer. Maybe you travel. I don't care. And then the people are like, but what do I tell people I do for a living? Who cares? But that's that guilt that just keeps building up. And it's one of those problems. Like when you hit your goals, then you really can't like take the victory lap because other people are struggling. Yeah. And that's not right. Like you should be able to celebrate what you've done and it have it feel good. But there's a lot of people who are also very vocal about like you shouldn't have that and you shouldn't feel good about it. And well, okay, but if you were in the same position, like you would want to feel good about it and celebrate it too. Like so it only is worth something if it happened a certain way. That's not true. But there's a idea that that is how it has to be in order to feel good about where you've gone and how far you've come. Yeah. And, and I think, that, by the way, yeah, if it feels like well, Bree and I are doing a therapy session here for each other, we are. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it, because it does have to do with where you came from. But the reality check is if you got money and you decide you bought a Ferrari and you crash your Ferrari, you're going to feel bad about it. And the people will be like, yeah, but you had a Ferrari. You're like, yes, I did. But I still lost it. People are like, yeah, but other people can barely feed themselves. I'm like, yes, that does not make my loss any better or worse. And that's here. You know, you're still feeling a loss where other people are, you know, going to bed hungry. You're upset because you lost your couple hundred thousand dollar car. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't have to be over like something that big either. Um, a silly example was this weekend we were camping and I went down to my in-laws camper to grab some stuff. And I was like, oh, I'll just grab the breakfast stuff and move it up to our fridge. So that way it's out of the way. Well, I set it down and I forgot to put it in the fridge. And the next morning I realized it. It was $20 worth of groceries, but I felt so awful. And my wife texted me like to come get breakfast. And I was like, yeah, I know I messed up. Like we don't have anything. And she was no, no, no. Like we have stuff. It's fine. It's okay. But it can be little things like that because you're like, oh, well, I just threw away what somebody else would love to have simply because I forgot. Yep. And I think the hard part is it's kind of only like it's almost like being comfortable in your own skin, acknowledging the mistakes, acknowledging the privilege, acknowledging what you got, acknowledging what you don't have, and then still caring for others. 
I've done this trick with some people. When they get to a point and they're trying to figure out kind of a balance and how to understand their money, and maybe travel is their goal. I say, okay, for every dollar you spend on travel, you spend an equal amount in giving. You spend 10 grand on travel, you spend 10 grand giving. It's interesting because then people are like, I can do that. It's just like soothes the soul. Now, mind you, they probably have more enough money. They can give a whole lot more and travel a whole lot more, but you can do that. So other people, it's, hey, I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give whatever it is. And what happens is we need to like give ourselves a break when we do stupid stuff. That's the leaving the food out. I mean, it happens to all of us. By the way, I'm still like obsessing over stupid stuff I did a decade ago. You know, like those things like pop up. You're like, oh, I remember when I did this. And like, you're like, that was dumb. Um, but we need to give ourselves a break so that we can enjoy the fruits of our labor. Now, child-free folks get to a point we call them the child-free midlife crisis. You hit your personal, professional, financial goals. Then what? That's where the guilt really starts having some interesting spins. Because they're like, okay, I have money. I've done this career. I've done well. I don't want to do it still. Can I really like go in a completely different direction? Like, yeah, go right ahead. You got 40 years left of your life. Go do what you want. You're like, yeah, but I put so much time and effort and money into learning to be a nurse. And I'm like, yep. Do you enjoy it? No. Well, what do you want to be? Oh, I want to be an artist. I want to be a librarian. I want to volunteer. I want to work at the dog shelter. Go do that. Be like, well, but I can't do that because I'm giving up money that I could make in a like the money that doesn't matter to you. And this is where it gets stuck. And I had somebody recently, uh, this is online also, they posted some questions about this. And I said, they said, how do you get over it? And I said, the answer is, you probably can't do it alone. And this is one of those few times where I'm like, you need help. You know, I, the way I say it is you need three people in your life. You need a therapist to look back, a spiritual person to look up, and a coach to look forward. And you probably need all three of those. And whichever one of those you don't think you need, you, that's the one you need. Like if you love therapy, you need a coach. If you love coaching, you need a therapist, you know, whatever it is. And so that you can dive in and say, all right, what do I need to work through to be happy? We're really talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and self-actualization of like, what's the purpose of life and why am I here and what do I want to do with myself? And those are tough questions you probably aren't going to figure out on your own. You know, that's why we call what we do life and financial planning. People actually pay us for the financial planning, but they come back for the life plan because like, how do I actually get comfortable on my money is much harder than how do I earn more money? What do you think, Brie? I agree with that. You know, the emotions are so much more difficult. It's easy to pick up extra hours and get more money in your bank account. But it's not so easy to be like, oh, I've worked for this and I've done a good job. But now I actually, you know, get to enjoy it and do the things I want to do. That is much harder. Yeah. I call it the blueberry problem, you know, where they're still buying the frozen blueberries because they're a dollar cheaper than the fresh blueberries. It takes a lot of work to get them to buy the fresh blueberries and actually spend money. It's actually harder to teach people how to spend money than to save money. Yeah, I have people with millions of dollars that are still clipping coupons. Like, hey, if you enjoy clipping coupons, go right ahead. Like, there are some people like that they have an arc of it. They stream couponing. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen these people, folks, but they go to the grocery store and like the cart costs them like 36 cents for the whole cart's full of stuff because they, if, you, if that's your hobby, cool. If you're doing it to save $4 on coupons, you're spending two hours to do it. The math doesn't work. And I think the hard part of that is that couponing habit might be been a habit for the past 40 years. And we're unprogramming that. People go, well, I mean, worst case, I die with more money. They go, cool. Who are you giving that money to? I don't know. Well, then you're giving it to the government. Yeah, we'll let you have these discussions. So right now, the estate tax is about 12 and some odd million. 
is what you can give away to like family before you get taxed on it. But above that, the government takes 40%. By the way, that's changing in 2025 uh, currently. If you just earn a whole lot more money, literally you're giving it to the government. I don't know anyone that truly wants to give it to the government. They'd like to give it to their causes or different things. But what about if you spent it throughout your life and made other people's lives better, made your life better and, you know, go take that trip, go buy those blueberries. You know, my wife and I went out to dinner last night. We're celebrating and we went to a restaurant, very nice steak and fish type place. And she goes, well, this is, you know, more expensive than what we normally do. Mind you, by about $12. Entire bill was 73 bucks for a fancy restaurant. Now, 73 bucks. Cheap. Right, nice we're cheaper than that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I like, I, yeah, Mississippi. I guess really is cheap. Okay, but here's the thing: we're still going. Yeah, but and I'm like, we're good, we're fine, and it's just that mentality and shifting that. It's hard, mm-hmm. you know. And by the way, it was a good restaurant. We liked it. We can spend this twelve bucks and go there regularly. <laughs> I mean. It's the barriers, though. You know, so you're doing fine, and then your friends or your family are struggling. Now, I have a rule. Nobody, I don't give money to anybody. I'll pay their medical bill. I'll pay for the groceries. But I don't give cash to anybody. Why? Because it's going to drive me crazy when they spend it on an iPad instead of on what they really, you know, on their groceries or whatever. That's part of the challenge is this guilt. You've now done good things. You can't, like, embrace that. But then you, like, low-key judge other people for not doing good things. I mean, go off real. We all do it. Anyone who says they don't judge is lying. Okay? I'm just saying. You might not say it. It's there. And I think that it's one of those things where you're like, you want to help people, but you don't want to enable bad behaviors either. And with money, it's very easy to, to enable bad behaviors, including your own. And by the way, this is where it gets really weird. Saving money just to save money as a child-free person might be a bad behavior. Uh, points there. Yeah, people go, wait a minute, that can't be. I'm like, no, it can because we have a different goal at the end. Yeah, and it's hard for people to understand that the goals are different because that, that is so countercultural to to spend money and not be building up large sums to give away when you pass away. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm over giving. Let's do it during your lifetime. Yeah. Let's change somebody's life. You want to change somebody's life? Grab $1,000 in cash, find somebody who's struggling, and give it to them. Now, I just said I don't give cash to family. I'm talking a random stranger who's struggling. You could completely change your life, but here's the problem. You have no guarantee they're going to spend it the way you want. I think part of that, too, when it comes to giving is you also need to be okay with however they spend it. That was one thing my parents always told me was regardless of whether or not they use it, the way you want them to like if you see somebody who is sitting there and has like a sign saying my parents are very much like it is not on you to judge whether or not they need the help it is on you to give and just be a cheerful giver then that's hard and here's the thing all that stuff our parents have taught us all that stuff our cultures taught us all that stuff that religion has taught us is going against our own money mindsets and what makes us happy you know i often with clients i'll pull out this one and i pull it out rarely because it hurts but I pull it out and I'll ask them, whose voice is in your head telling you you need to do that? And they'll usually pause and go, oh, my dad, my church, my way I was raised, my... I go, cool, not you. Yeah, I was taught 
in high school, I had a, a teacher that I loved. She said, "Gift is uh, guilt is the gift that keeps on giving only if you allow it to. We all allow it to. And I'll flat out ask people, who's buying you the tickets to the guilt trip? And by the way, they know. They'll be like, this person or that or this situation sometimes. Well, I was cool. That's in the past. We acknowledge it. Now, how do we look forward? And that's hard. We're talking about like, I'm not talking about like something like, hey, I can meet with a client and in 20 minutes change their mind, their mental model around this. This is not. Usually how this works. I, we, we have clients on a monthly basis. The first two, three months, we'll work through all their numbers and I'll be like, you're good. And they'll be like, yeah, what about this? And they'll ask me like hundred questions. I'm like, you're good. And they'll, get to, they'll ask me more questions. I'm like, listen, you're paying me for my advice. I say you're good. I got a PhD, an MBA, and a CFP. I say you're good. Okay. And then they'll go, but now what? Like, I don't know. Like, it's up to you. You know, we talk about no baby step forward, which is save towards your goals. What are your goals? I don't know. I've already hit them. Well, then we need a new set. Now, there are those people who go, well, you know, maybe you live a life without goals. I don't know. Maybe you can. I, I just can't. <laughs> I just see people. You need something to aim towards. It doesn't have to be a goal. Like, just, I want to, like, spend more of my time hiking in the mountains. I don't care. That's a perfectly fine goal. But what will happen is once I show people they're fine financially, their brain kind of explodes because they've been struggling forever. And I'm like, you're no longer struggling. They're like, well, well, if I had more money, I'd struggle less. I'm like, no, you're fine. Because I'll let you run their money out to like the time they're 90 and show them what they die with. I'm like, you're dying with $10 million. And they're like, how is that possible? Well, I'll show them the math. And they're like, oh. And then their brain explodes because they can't figure it out. And then what will happen is they'll come up with something they want to do and they'll try it. And by the way, usually not the right thing. It'll usually be something else after that. But all of a sudden they start realizing, huh, maybe I don't have to get up and grind. It's okay to enjoy your life and enjoy your money. It's okay not to struggle. But here's the problem. In the US, right now, rich people are not looked at very well. Let's be real on that. They're judged. And to say you, you don't have to struggle for money is like, that's the countercultural that Bree's talking about. Feels really weird. And you're right. You have to be comfortable in your own skin. It's not easy. Yeah. I mean, you can just scroll on any social media and people want you to essentially be uncomfortable with being in a good spot. And yet, they'll be some of my favorite ones. Not really favorite, but like ones that really just hit you in the guilt is when they talk about, oh, well, we've come this far and you're supposed to celebrate them. Great. I'm happy for you. And like, that is good. But why can't we celebrate where we're at too? Even And we need to find the respectful balance. So like, there's a few of like the, the Dink Sink groups and a few others where it's just like all bragging about your like cars and toys. All right. You know, yeah. Well, be respectful. Yeah. At the same time, you should still be able to celebrate whatever you want. It, it's... Be mindful of others, but also being comfortable with you. And by the way, maybe the answer is you just don't show it. There was an interesting study I was reading uh, this week or last week on uh, ultra high net worth people, by the way, 10 to 50 million or better. And they did a study on fashion. And here's what they found. Ultra high net worth people do not wear things with logos or names or coach or you know, whatever, you know, Louis Vuitton or whatever the heck it is. They'll buy the $400 t-shirt with no logo that is good eye material that only somebody else who has bought that $400 t-shirt would know. They're not trying to show it all. Yeah. 
they're just enjoying it. That is true. Like, I think there is a big, a big thing there. The more you have, the less you want to show it off because you don't necessarily want to put that quote unquote target on your back. They call it quiet wealth. You know, you're enjoying it, you're doing your thing. Now, the opposite of this is if you go on a trip and you don't post it on Instagram, did you even go? Like, you know, like it's like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I went to the chiropractor recently and and he was like, oh, you haven't like posted anything in a few months. He's like, you have nothing to brag about. And I was like, actually, I've done a lot of stuff, but I just don't feel the need to share it with you or anybody. Why your chiropractor is creeping on your Instagram is okay. a separate discussion. His daughter and I are like best friends. That's why. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's small town stuff. That's why. But my point is, that's the dichotomy of our culture. Is you got to brag about stuff. That's why people like rent a private jet just for Instagram photos. They don't go anywhere with it. Like there's pile of people lying just so you can have the cares. We actually, for our Instagram, don't post a whole lot of that stuff because it doesn't really help. We post information and like how to actually improve your finances. And by the way, we'd get more followers if we were posting random crap that we were buying and like bragging about. Yeah, but. That's not. I think Bree's in charge of this, not me. You know, that way I don't have to do it. But I, I think the bottom line is, if you if you deal with money guilt, get help. We can help you. Other people can help you. Um, it's more so you're not gonna get through yourself. And part of that is that second set of eyes looking at it going, "You're fine. You're okay. You're not struggling. You're fine. You're okay. You're out of the rent and ramen phase." And I've actually tracked it. So somewhere. My guess, somewhere around about a third of the intro meetings I do. So I do an hour introduction with people. About a third of them, there'll be either tears running down their face or like really close. Is that fair, Bree? Yeah. And you can tell when they're real close, like, and then the camera goes off and they're probably in tears. And my theory on it is two things. One, they're being hurt. So they feel like, you know, we're saying, you're okay. You're fine. We got you. Here's the future. And I've done this with people. And I'll, I'll literally use those words. You're good. You're fine. And all of a sudden, like, just the tears come flying. And it's just that relief of, like, I've been struggling for decades. I'm okay. And then the hard work comes. Well, now what? But, like, there's that moment where, like, all right. It's a catharsis of just saying, I'm okay. Now let's keep going. Uh, by the way. If you do me with me and I cause tears, I can't hand you a tissue through via Zoom. I don't apologize. It is what it is. But it's really, to me, saying, all right, we hit the right tone and you know you can improve and you know where you're at and you know you're safe. We go from there. If you deal with money guilt, reach out, talk to somebody. You don't have to handle it alone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a rating or review. We'd love to keep the conversation going. Follow Child Free Wealth on social media or email us at podcast at childfreewealth.com. If you're interested in working together, learn more by visiting our website, www.childfreewealth.com. We'll see you next time.